In this episode of EdTech Back to the Basics, we will be focusing on the topic of blended learning, diving deep into what blended learning really is, what are some of the major misconceptions with it, and how do teachers do this in today's classrooms. This is not an episode you're going to want to miss out on. Hey colleagues, welcome back to the second episode of EdTech Back to the Basics. I'm your host, Mandy Adams. I just want to start off by saying that this topic we're focusing on today is probably one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about with respect to educational technology. I'm incredibly passionate about blended learning and what it can do in our classrooms for students and for teachers. So to start out, I want to explain where my passion for blended learning comes from because understanding that might help you understand how I work with my teachers, students, and other people in the field of education. Back when I was a junior in high school, I was taking US history and we had a long-term sub all of first semester. And then second semester came and they hired somebody to take over for the rest of the year. His name was Mr. Kane. Now, Mr. Kane literally became a driving factor in my understanding of how the educational world should work. And not because he was doing these crazy lessons with technology, not because he was going out of his way and spending all this time with students, but because he met the students where they were at to help them be successful. Now, don't get me wrong. I graduated with high honors in high school. I knew the expectations. My mom was a teacher, work was always on time, there weren't excuses to be made. But I struggled, and I struggled in one area in particular. I struggled with my location. So I am the type of person that can't sit still. I never could sit in the front row of a seating chart because if I heard something behind me, I would turn around to look at it. If I sat in the last row, I would get distracted by all the little movements of everybody in front of me. Traditional seating charts of all the desks facing the same direction just didn't work for me. This is where Mr. Kane quickly picked up on how to help me as a student. Within probably the first two weeks of him taking over that he realized that I struggled to just sit in class. It wasn't that I struggled with the content or the skills, but I struggled to sit in a desk for the full hour with my feet hanging down and working on the textbook and writing. And so he stopped the class at the end of a class hour and he was doing conferring type cycles and he called me over and said, how are you doing? And I was like, he's asking about my classes. Like, I'm fine. Things are going great. I've got good grades. But he wasn't referring to my classes. What he was actually referring to is how was I doing? Because he saw that I was struggling and I didn't even really realize it. So it was at that time that he realized there was a way he could help me. And so what he did was he took out a piece of a roll of painter's tape and he like took this tape and he put a box on the floor. And he looked at me and he said, if I let you sit on the floor, you sit inside this box, will that help you? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I see you struggling in the chair. I see you struggling to get comfortable, to be able to focus. You're not able to focus because you're not comfortable where you're sitting. If I let you sit here where you can sit cross-legged or you can lay down if you need to, will that help you? And I was like, well, yeah, can I do that? And he was like, I'm telling you, you can. 
He gave this control of my learning, which is the smallest thing, right? My location, the smallest thing he could have changed. But it put me in the driver's seat. It put me at the point of being able to control what was going on. That was my first interaction with a teacher doing that. And no, just because he changed my location from a desk to the floor doesn't make it blended learning, but it opened my eyes that we can do things differently. We can meet students differently than what other students need. So I was the only student that had tape box on the floor, but that met what I need while the student behind me didn't need that. Now, originally he just told me I could sit on the floor and I kind of moved around a little bit. So that's where the box came in, but you get the kind of the gist of it. Up to that point though, I wanted to be a middle school teacher. And it was in this interaction with Mr. Kane that I was like, I don't want middle school. I want high school because I want to, I want to change someone's life the way that he changed mine. He changed my ability to learn and how to address learning and how to just think about learning as the bigger picture and not just, do you know the definitions? Can you define the terms in your own words? So fast forward a little bit through college to my first year of teaching. I have no idea what the words blended learning mean. Never heard of them before. And I was in about my second month of the school year and I remember walking into my colleague's classroom. There was uh, two and a half social studies teachers in this building and I walked in and I looked at him and I just sat down and was like, I'm struggling. I was feeling incredibly drained by teaching my students in a way that I didn't feel comfortable with, but it was the traditional model of stand in front of the classroom, let me lecture, listen to me, take your notes, take the test, we move on. I didn't feel like I was meeting their needs and that I was spending more and more time just addressing the reteaching than teaching it differently the first time. We didn't have Chromebooks at one-on-one classroom at that point. We were starting to. Um, So they had them at school, but they didn't have them at home. So doing a full transition to something that would have been completely tech-based wasn't an option. So I'm sitting in this teacher's classroom. Shout out to Don Norwick um, because he was my co at the time. And I looked at him and say, I can't teach this way. And it's not that I can't teach that way. I didn't want to anymore. I wasn't doing what was best for students. I was just doing what was on the plan, this is how we do it. To my statement of, I can't teach this way, he says, then don't. Now the conversation went on from there, but the biggest thing that I needed from that veteran teacher, my mentor, my co-teacher was that freedom for me to say, I'm gonna teach different. I'm not gonna do the traditional, stand in front of the whole classroom, do a full lecture, take your notes, take the test, move on to the next and keep doing that day by day by day. I went home that day completely recharged, completely ready and engaged in the work to make a change in my classroom. So I sit here today thinking back to what Mr. Kane did and how that gave me control of one tiny aspect of my learning and my location. And mind you, only in that classroom. It wasn't all of my classes. It wasn't every year moving forward in college, nothing. It was in that one class, I was able to flourish. I was able to succeed from that tiny change. 
So how did this impact me in reality? Well, I was in that first year. Uh, My co-teacher told me, don't teach that way. And so I decided to give my students control. Now, mind you, something you should know is I'm a control freak. I like to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what's the order, what's the progression as we move forward. Since having my children, I've loosened up a lot, but I still like that order. So this idea of giving the control of my students' learning to them and letting them be the driving factor was a huge step for me. I was opening the door for complete chaos, but knowing that with the right setup and with the right progression of skills and structure and teacher clarity, my students could succeed in the best way possible for them to learn. I like to say I take calculated risks, risks that I know are going to kind of fall in my favor. And if they don't, it's such a small percentage that it'll be okay. So I started out with what I now know is called station rotations. I would create rotations that the students would move between that would allow for extra support, reteaching of material, reading interventions, writing interventions, collaboration on projects, all of these different things, all these big keyword things could all be happening at the same time. Now, don't get me wrong. I made mistakes all the time. I owned up to it, though. The kids knew this was something new. They knew this was something that wasn't, they weren't seeing in every other other classrooms. So they knew it wasn't perfect, but they saw my passion in trying to help them. And they liked it. They liked having more freedom in their learning. They liked that they weren't having to be retaught something that they already understood or having me move on with the lecture or move on with the lesson when they didn't get the last part of it because they were absent for the day. So flash forward a couple years of now really diving into this unknown thing at the time and really starting to love what I was able to do and creating environments that were open to students to at all different levels and really trying to meet kids where they're at. Uh, Over time, that ended up switching districts, still bringing this passion for a blended learning type classroom with me. Um, And so I am at my new district and I was honored with being able to go to a tech conference for the tech side of my role of the job. And I'm sitting in this session that's all on this new word for me, these new two words that was blended learning and what is it? And I'm sitting there and my mouth is just dropped because I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is the word. This is that definition. This is what I've been talking about. This is what I'm doing. And it felt so good to just know I wasn't alone. I wasn't seeing this and making it up and had no backing behind it. This was the new thing that's coming that we're seeing can really address kids of all needs, can really engage students at all different levels. Which brings me to this first topic I really want to talk about as we are kind of in this idea of blended learning. And that's what is blended learning? What is the basic broken down definition that blended learning means because there are a lot of misunderstandings of what a blended classroom looks like. So breaking it down, there really are three components into what blended learning actually is. The first part 
is that there's some form of a virtual component that allows students to have control over their location, their pace, their style, or their pathway. That second part then, so again, that's part one. Part two is this face-to-face component. Think of it that traditional style where the kids are in your classroom and you're working with students. But what I think is the most important part of this definition is part three. Part three is the connection of those two parts. So if I break this down for you, if you're spending all this time creating this virtual component that students can do outside your room without you there, or even in your room, but not with you controlling every moment of it, and they're do it, and then you all come back together and you reteach everything that was in that resource. What was the point of that resource? Nothing. If you're gonna reteach the exact same thing to the whole class, there was no point in them doing it. So making that connection of the digital information, the digital content, the digital learning you want the students to do and your face-to-face component that connection of bringing them together is critical to a blended learning classroom really succeeding. Which leads directly into some of the major misconceptions I have heard from teachers with respect to blended learning. So I hear teachers say, I have a blended classroom because I am using technology in my classroom. Or I have created videos for my classroom that students can use if they want to. Or I've heard teachers say, I don't want a blended classroom because students learn better with me teaching in the front of the room. Or it takes too much time to create all the resources needed. And while all of these misconceptions have truth to them, doesn't mean that a blended classroom isn't going to help enhance what you're doing. So what does a blended classroom in today's world really look like? Well, this is where I'm going to combine those misconceptions. We're going to take them. We're going to transform them into ways that a blended classroom really can flourish and expand what you're already doing. So that first misconception of I have a blended classroom because I am using technology in my classroom. Where you expand this is then by saying that allows students to have control over their individual pacing By doing this, students will be able to create their own to-do lists, their own checklists that are based on my essential questions, my learning objectives that I have set for this class. As the teacher, I have my classes structured to allow for students to progress forward when they need to and to reassess or take a step back to review when those times come. This one in particular causes a lot of anxiety for staff and for teachers as it's giving up control of that every day and knowing that students have to own it, which is a huge aspect. And I want you to think about your teaching experience here for a moment. We've all had that one day topic, unit, skill that we're trying to get our students to do, but it's just not quite fitting every student's needs. It might be too slow or too slow of a pace for some who are now just sitting there bored, waiting for you to continue, waiting for the next direction, or looking for other ways to extend their learning. 
but it also might be too fast for that struggling student who's just barely getting by and needs more time, but you can't stop the whole class just for them, right? We have a timeline. We got to get to, we got to get to this part. It picks up, the next class picks up where we end off. So by opening up the flexibility for students to control their pace, you can now extend your impact on every student. Don't get me wrong, there are checkpoints, there are formative assessments to make sure that students are progressing forward. So if Johnny gets to the third task on that list in two days and can show you and explain how he's learning and what he's learned, great. And if in that same time, Layla only gets to the second one in those two days, but she can completely explain to you what she's experienced and what she's learned and how she's progressed forward, isn't that what we're looking for? It shouldn't matter if Johnny gets there in three day, two days and Layla gets there in three days, if they're both getting there. Which then leads me into this next misconception, which is I have a blended classroom because I have created videos that students can use if they want to. The biggest piece with this misconception is that creating or finding videos for your students while an amazing instructional strategy within a blended classroom only works if there's a purpose to them. So as the teacher, you've made this video, you found a video, you've created a video guide, you have annotation directions you want them to use as they're reading, gets them to the key ideas, by them completing the, watching this or reading it or doing what you've asked of them, you'll be able to know that they've learned. You give it to your students to watch, to do, to figure out. The next class period, you reteach everything that was in the video or in the reading to the full class. What was the point of that video? Why do a virtual format? Why put in your personal time into making that resource when we all know none of us have enough time in our days to do what we need to do, if students are going to come back in to just relearn it over again. So instead, what if you create, find, make the resource, take that resource, and when students come back for that next class period, that next activity, guide them into a small group based on their progression and understanding. So for example, in your class, you have six students who did the assignment but missed the key ideas. And you know this because they submitted formative checks along the way. So you know that these six students really, while they put the time in, didn't understand. They missed a direction. They missed a key component of what they needed to know. They're now in a small group. And in that small group, you're grouping them together to go back and figure out what they missed. You've got eight students who did the assignment, got what they needed to, and are ready to move forward. These students all come together and maybe are discussing their ideas, discussing other perspectives, and hearing from each other other ideas. Maybe then you're giving them the next step so they can continue moving forward in what they have to do. But you've still got students who haven't, you haven't talked about yet, right? So you've got five students, though, who just didn't do the assignment. Whatever the reason is, they didn't do it. Those five students now get time to go back and do it. 
do the original assignment so that they can continue moving forward. It's not that they didn't mi- they missed key concepts. They just didn't do it, right? So you as the teacher can now float between those groups to answer questions. Maybe you're with the one group for a couple minutes here, like my group who's ready to move on. Here's your directions. Here's your starting piece. Go ahead and get started. If you need me, go ahead and raise your hand. Go ahead and use whatever form of alerting your teacher you've set up to do that. But now I'm going to bump over to this group and really help guide their understanding and make sure that they're getting those pieces they missed. Or I'm going to bump into that group who didn't do it, didn't do the assignment for whatever reason, and try to talk to those kids individually one-on-one to figure out why they didn't do it. Work with those students, and maybe there's a bigger picture going on for a student. Or maybe it's just the, I didn't do it. Right? We have those students. But meeting students where they're at is such a key component in their progression today. Now, all of a sudden, that video has a purpose and allows for that virtual component to connect to the face-to-face part and extend their learning. It's extending their understanding, their skills, rather than just repeating it, rather than just being, I'm going to stand here, I'm going to teach it to you, I'm going to give you the same thing again and the exact same words in a video that you can go watch. So now let's dive deep into those two misconceptions about why teachers don't want a blended classroom. And the misconception that I hear more than anything else is this idea that students don't learn as well if the teacher is not directly in front of them doing a live lecture. But here's the problem with that. Just because you do a blended learning environment doesn't mean you don't do live lectures. I still did live lectures in a blended format on a regular basis. There's multiple ways of blending your classroom, and one of those ways is called a station rotation. If you've never heard of it before, check out in the, in the description below about the website I have linked that has resources and tools and links to more information on all of everything blended learning um, and directly into station rotation. But station rotation works in this way. I have 60 minutes set up for my class and I have three rotations that students are gonna progress through. One of them is a live lecture. They're gonna be with me going through content, going through any uh, misconceptions they have about what we're doing or areas of need for improvement, or maybe I'm conferring with them on their writing or their project that they're working on. So I'm with this small group at that point. And while that group is working with me, the second group and working on that second rotation is doing a collaborative project that they're working either as a partner by themselves or with their whole group. That third group of students are working on a skill that I need them to work further on. So maybe that's a writing skill. Maybe that's a reading skill. Or maybe they're doing some peer reviews because they did an essay and you need them to do some peer reflections on their writing or ways they can improve on it. They have that timeline that they're focused of 20 minutes. This is what you're going to do in this 20 minutes. And while I'm doing that live lecture with this group of students, I'm able to be more one-on-one with them and progress forward at their pace. And you're like, Mandy, come on now. I'm not going to get through a full 60-minute lecture in 20 minutes. 
Well, no, you're not. It may take you three class periods to get there, but in that same time frame, the students are now also working on two other things at the same time. So if you think about it, if you were going to do one full class of a live lecture, one class of students doing peer reviews and having to work with each other, and one class of the students actually writing or working on their paper, you've now done that in the same three days, but just broken up so you're able to meet the needs of your students. You're able to take that lecture into smaller chunks and have more of that one-on-one component with students. You didn't lose your face-to-face direct instruction with students, but you enhanced your ability to meet every student's needs. Which leads us into the last misconception of why people don't want a blended classroom. It takes too much time to make resources. It's 100% accurate, accurate statement. It does take time to create materials or to find the right material and tweak it to what you need it to be. But they don't have to take forever. There are so many amazing resources out there to help get you started or to help you progress along as you are in your second, third, fourth, tenth year of a blended environment. From videos to web quests to activities that you can take, tweak to directly match your curriculum, to match the standard you're assessing, to match your learning objectives. You don't have to start from scratch with blended learning. You can take what you're already doing, what you were already planning on making or already have made, and use it in the same format. Blending your classroom doesn't mean having to put 100 hours into planning one lesson. It might mean you have everything prepared for the start of that lesson for the next three classes or the next month of lessons. But what it's opening up then is your ability to make tweaks as you go. So for example, you want students to review key vocab and essential questions as you are leading up to an assessment. One couple ways of doing that. Have students submit a question a day that you can take and put into their review. Open up the student's ability to create their questions. And yeah, you're going to get really simple questions that are Googleable and really won't help things. But you're also going to get some really great questions that maybe you didn't think about. Allow the students along the way to create their resources. You want to have the students practicing their ability to break down the main idea. Have the students make their own video of doing just this. Think of it as an annotated video. Over time, you're going to get some amazing examples that then you can keep, with student permission, keep as a model to use for future classes. These are two super small ways of how you can use your everyday teaching to make resources for future classes or for the next class. Don't think of it as something that's got to go so big and so brand new that no one's ever talked about it before because it's not needed. You don't have to be on your own in isolation in this world of blended learning. There are networks out there that are willing and wanting everyone to join so that we can share our wealth of knowledge. So you might be thinking, this sounds amazing. This, or you might be thinking, this sounds daunting. 
And I hope you're kind of feeling both. It's a little anxiety lifting, right? To like think about how could I totally upheaval my whole entire teaching. But at the same time, you're kind of thinking about I could meet the need of this student in particular. I could help this group of students progress forward when I wasn't able to before. And it can be that. Which leads me to my instructional tip for this, for this episode, dealing with blended learning. Start small. Don't try to take on every aspect of blended learning, every single structure all at one time. Start with one piece. Maybe that is just starting with the idea of giving students control over a location. Maybe instead of the brick and mortar traditional, all desks facing the same way, let them sit in groups. Let them sit by a partner. Let them sit in a pod. Let them sit on the floor if they need to. Take it one step at a time. You don't feel ready to make your own content videos yet? Don't. Find resources. Find amazing things that other teachers who've had the time to do it have done it. Use it. Give the credit to where it belongs, please. Um, But don't feel like you need to start everything on your own. You don't have to. Use them. They're there because our world of education loves to share with each other. If you are looking for more resources on blended learning or how to make your own videos or to find amazing resources for videos, uh, check out the EdTech Back to the Basics website for some of those places to start. I have books, other podcasts, other websites, some more resources that all play into the idea of blended learning, into video creation, um, into all those pieces. I want to thank you all for joining me on this journey today while we did a deep dive into blended learning. I absolutely love this topic. I'm completely passionate about it. I love working with teachers on looking for ways to blend their classroom environments. Uh, You're probably going to hear more podcasts come out about different components of blended learning um, because I just can't get enough of it. I wish you all an amazing day. And if no one has told you yet today, You are enough.